Hey guys, welcome to Lords of Order, a DC Doctor Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Welcome to episode 82. Also, there are spoilers this episode, as the book for discussion is the current volume of Doctor Fate, issue 18. If you want to send me any feedback, you can leave comments on the website, bigtimenoise.com slash Fate. The email address the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com. Lords of Order has pages on Facebook and Google Plus and on Twitter. You can tweet Teal Productions and hopefully he will answer you. As I said, Dr. Fate, the current volume, issue 18, we're told that Paul Levitz and Brandon McCarthy are our store are our storytellers. Brandon McCarthy and Mark Harrison are also the colorists. Seda Timofante is the letterer. Now, this book um, is quasi-noteworthy for a a couple reasons. It's the conclusion of this uh, Fate Weaver story, if if you will. I, I don't remember if that's the exact word that is used. Let's see. World Weaver. Clothoris. Uh But also, more importantly, this is the last issue of the current volume of Dr. Fate. Um, perhaps it is the last we will see of Khalid. Uh, I don't know. I do believe that in the coming year, uh, that being 2017, that there is supposed to be a Justice Society book that comes out. Hopefully, Dr. Fate will be included uh, with it. I, I do think that DC is um, is trying to keep Doctor Fate going because this is the second, uh, yeah, the second volume um, of a book that has had him in it. Um, I haven't necessarily been a particular fan of the wielders of the power, uh, but perhaps I can understand what they're doing. Doesn't mean I like it, but I, I think I understand what they're doing. So, sorry, uh, this book picks up where issue seventeen ended. Khalid is uh, in another another dimension, I guess it would be. Uh, I don't think he has really gone back in time. That could be what it is, but it strikes me as more another dimension that is uh, very reminiscent of our ancient Egyptian dimension with the pyramids and um, closed off burial rooms and, and things like that. He's trying to break the last of the uh, fate weaver's webs that are on him, trying to pull him back to where Clothoris was, because if you remember, he had a meeting with her that did not go perhaps the way that she or he, it, uh, wanted it to happen, and Dr. Fate got away, but not before he was kind of snagged. And he's trying to break the last of these energy ribbons that Clothoris uses, and in doing so, uh, he does break the ribbon, but in doing so, he throws himself into one of the pyramids uh, in such a way that he uh, materializes through it. He doesn't physically bust through the walls, because uh, that would be pretty pretty amazing, actually, because as we've seen, those ancient pyramids, those blocks are, you know, what, three, four, five, six feet by the same dimension. So busting through that would not be like busting through one of our walls here in modernity. So he's here. He's in a um, a room full of uh, ancient artifacts. It's webby and dusty. And uh, there's several sarcophagi um, in the shape 
that would handle both the human being, but then over here on the side we see something that kind of looks like a sphinx-ish kind of thing, too. I don't know if that's a sarcophagi or if that's a statue, or, but it's depicted in here. Um, before I, I go too much further, the, the colors in, in this story are both uh, psychedelic, um, but they're both kind of muted colors, too. They're, they're bright, but they're not like blaze bright. Uh, the, the color is bright, but the hue is not necessarily bright. More like a, a pastel, but bright colors. A very, very interesting uh, to the eye, I think, and an a interesting departure, perhaps, from the uh, base or foundational coloring of most of the other stories that Khalid has been involved in. And I, I assign that more to, perhaps, Brendan McCarthy uh, than the actual colorist who, as I said here, is listed as Mark Harrison, but Brendan also had a hand in it because he's listed. So Khalid is here, uh, excuse me, Dr. Fate is here, and as he's talking out loud, trying to figure out where he is, trying to figure out what he's seeing, you know, just get a handle on everything. He's he's still kind of not completely collected from the beginnings of his dealings with Clothoris and what started out in the um, the UN Plaza where he first saw the threads and trailed him back and, and everything that's been happening then. It's it's all been very rapid fire, I, I, I take it. And so Khalid really hasn't gotten his feet beneath him necessarily. He's Well, he's certainly, as, as the hero, Dr. Fate, still spending a lot of time trying to figure out things on the go. And on top of all of this weirdness that he's seeing, flipping through dimensions and odd creatures and the things that Clothoris has said and his own question, you know, all of this. And he's, he's, I think, just still really, really rattled in anything that he tries to do as Dr. Fate. Uh, not that his real world, real world persona is really doing much better at this point. So he's trying to, to settle all this in his mind and Thoth appears to him, materializes, has a helmet of faith, Faith? Excuse me. Fate. Um, a couple interesting things from this page. First, the thing that stood out to me was Thoth takes off the helm that um, it, I don't i don't know the gender of Thoth, is wearing, and it turns out to just be like a face plate kind of thing, not like a helmet like uh, Khalid puts on. But for those of you that aren't familiar with the entity Thoth, the creature has a head like an ibis. Uh, an ibis is a big, tall, uh, I think a wading bird. But it's got this big, long beak that it uses to dig down into the wet sand to hunt up, you know, whatever shellfish, whatever it eats in the sand. So it's got this big, long beak. And that's the kind of face that Thoth has, and it just doesn't mesh with this helmet that was just covering its face, I didn't think. It was kind of weird. It was like... The face was held interdimensionally because as you pull this mask off, this big long beak is here. Yeah, it just struck me as odd how the two would work together. The other interesting thing from this panel is uh, from this page is that we have a panel of Khalid. It's he's half faced. We see Khalid on one side. We see the Doctor Fate helm on the other side. Each side is speaking. 
Okay, so there's two different speech bubbles. And then there's a third bubble that is Khalid, I assume, in his head. So we have Khalid speaking. We have the helmet of Thoth speaking, um, who is really what it is, is that that helmet is imbued with the power of Naboo. So that's Naboo's voice. That's Khalid's voice, both physically, and then Khalid's head speaking to Naboo. Interesting uh, just thing there, I, I thought. So as we move forward, Thoth is, is explaining to Khalid what Clothoris is, uh, but more importantly, addressing Dr. Fate and his slash her, as, as it may be, uh, place in the, 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 the midst of things, how Dr. Fate fits into everything else, according to Thoth. Now, the helmet is the helmet of Thoth, so there is nothing that says that what Thoth is saying is the truth or merely the truth as the entity wants Khalid to believe in order to wield the helmet in such a way that the entity Thoth agrees, perhaps. Full page spread, all all kinds of different things going on, but one thing that struck me, perhaps another thing that I don't quite recognize, just kind of picks at my brain, so... Uh, but one is a bust of one of the endless Sandman, and I don't remember. This may be Daniel that is pictured here rather than the original. But in in all the other things, I thought it was interesting because it's not like all of the endless were pictured because of their place and, and their abilities or other entities of that nature. Uh, just different faces in the story. But this bust of Sandman really stuck out as a picture that was very defined and it was intended to be what it was so that you would understand what it was in the midst of all these others. So I guess that, you know, I'm I'm not exactly sure other than my knowledge of what Sandman and the Endless are in the DC Universe that Thoth is trying to do anything other than perhaps connect the Endless with Fate's powers and where his powers come from. Uh, Thoth heals fate of uh, physical injuries. I don't know, perhaps mental and emotional injuries. It's really hard to tell because he doesn't physically. He doesn't appear to be all that beat up, but he has been having a fight recently. So maybe that's all that was intended. And then sends fate on his way to uh, defeat once and all, once and for all, Clothoris. So he uh, swooshes back in a energy. Uh, dimensionless kind of form back to the dimension that he saw Clothoris, which may physically be our dimension, but I don't believe it is. I believe it's an adjacent dimension. And immediately fate is beset upon by these drones. And he decides that the way to defeat them, to keep them from Taking his concern is that the, these that that people's fates are not their own to decide. That this being Clothoris has perhaps superseded humanity's ability to control their own fate by inserting its desires into the 
happenings of these human beings. Khalid does not feel that's right, that the human beings, any creature, but we're dealing with human beings, should have the right to decide their own fate and walk their own path rather than walking a path directed for them. So that's why, uh, among other things, wanting to be sure that Akilah doesn't get hurt, he's so hell-bent on defeating this entity. He, he doesn't believe this entity has the right uh, to do what it's doing. So he feels that the way to defeat them is to physically get rid of these drones um, if that doesn't do it directly, perhaps, then it will allow him to then move on to Clitoris because there are so many drones. So he's got to get get past the worker bees to get to the queen. And uh, I use that comparison because that's very much what it's like, Clitoris uh, being the queen bee and these drones. So Khalid starts wielding fate-like energy powers through his hands and and energy blasts and just starts picking them off and then picking them off more and more and just continuing. The more he kills, the more appear. Until finally he is overcome just uh, by numbers. He passes out. When he wakes up, he is bound by these strands of fate as he is being lowered into the cauldron that Clitoris uses to um control the people whose fate Clitoris does grab onto, if if that makes any sense. He's in essence Clitoris is trying to kill Khalid slash fate by lowering him into this uh, this energy um, soul energy cauldron. Um, very painful. We see that Khalid physically is succumbing as the as as he gets wrapped up more and more uh, like a mummy in these strands of fate and lowered farther and farther into the cauldron until a point where he is completely entombed in the threads and completely submerged into the cauldron we see that his physical being perhaps is starting to melt and starting to uh, strand away from his body He's still uh, conscious enough trying to figure out how to defeat this, and he's thinking back to what Kent Nelson has told him as to how to control his powers, that everything about his powers rests inside, and it starts there and radiates out. So to, to figure out what to do and or to do it, you must go in first and then manifest out. So he he does this. He decides to sink into his magic, both his being, his consciousness, which is also kind of a way that um, a lot of religions slash philosophies will control their physical body when it comes to experiencing pain. They will descend into their into their body um, psychologically to get away from the external parts of the body that are experiencing the pain. That way they they avoid the pain. Um, I I think we've all seen things on TV where certain 
mystics will do things, will walk on coals, will lay on beds of nails, will, will do these things that are painful, but they don't experience the pain because they are focused inside, not outside where the pain is. So I think that's in a much grander sense what Khalid is doing. And as he does so, his physical body starts to uh, spark and sparkle until finally it it goes away and what's left is this helmet of fate with a um sigmoidy kind of golden um body but it's it's not a body it's just like a a snake's body if if you picture that with fate's helmet as the head a lot more indistinct though than an actual body and so that first breaks out of the cocoon that the threads uh, entombed fade in. Then it rises up out of the cauldron, causing the cauldron to start to explode. It damages Clothoris. Finally, the cauldron and Clothoris both explode together, completely destroying this egg-slash- um, egg case kind of construct that all this was happening with all while this fate helmeted body uh, is circling around it almost trying to enclose the egg structure like the threads enclosed Khalid either the exertion or this massive explosion or both kind of stuns fate and he falls back into Earth's dimension, crash landing in Prospect Park, where he his his full body rematerializes as he hits the ground, knocking the helmet off. We see Khalid, and our last page of the book. He says, "Am I home alive, anyways?" And then he's thinking because over here by a tree, he sees this thing laying on the ground that looks like a a comb from a a beehive and one of these little tiny drone creatures flying to it from off in the distance somewhere into the comb much like a bee he says did i bring that back with me coincidence or calamity for the future and he walks up to it and steps on it and crushes it says not taking any chances i don't want to go back there ever and in the it says the end the very last panel is the comb crushed in in the foreground Khalid walking away from us towards what probably is a I would assume a sunrise over the edge of the park over the um, line of the the city buildings and that's where that's where we see potentially the last of, of Khalid's tale at least for the time being the next to last panels of the book is a two-page spread drawn by Mr. Steve Dillon uh, of Jesse Custer standing in the foreground with a desert scene stretching out uh, both to the right and back away from him. And it says it's been quite a party, ain't it? So there's a an homage from DC Comics to Steve Dillon, who had recently died when, when this book was printed. So I, I just, I thought that was a nice, a nice picture. Um, not the biggest fan of the, 
Jesse Custer character, but Steve Dillon's art is is exactly what art is supposed to be. So, in my mind. So there we go, guys. Um, an interesting volume. Um, I, I did enjoy the Egyptian aspects that that, that were that were more a, f- a focal point of Doctor Fate's character. I don't like the young juvenile angsty kid issues that the character brings because I I, I don't uh, have anything to do with that. I can't identify it, and more often than not, I find it very very annoying. Um, uh, characters of that nature at my age. Uh, Khalid was very much a millennial character, and I just I have difficulty reading those kinds of characters because because I'm not so I'll just I'll leave it at that so I, I did not enjoy that aspect same issue that I had with the previous incarnation of Dr. Fate that they used uh, trying to be I did not I did not appreciate all of the political things DC was trying to do through the character of Dr. Fate um and I think that's as fine a point as I really should put on that. The uh, the fact his uh, his parents were involved was interesting. I did like the fact that he was torn between two worlds and and the way that the the two young females in his life represented that. I, I like that. I don't think they really did enough with the traditional uh, representation. They had eighteen issues. Uh, you know, in in the decompressed storytelling that they are so want to use now, I, I think they introduced and left much much more on the table than perhaps would have been left on the table as far as story beats, say, thirty years ago, in in the the type of writing. Um, so I did I did have some issues with the decompressed storytelling, kind of stretched things out too far for me. I am glad that there was a Dr. Fate book out there. I, I was glad that the character was was in the uh, contemporary DC zeitgeist that, that bodes well for a continual seeing of the character. I'll, uh, I'll keep my eyes open and hopefully I'll be able to incorporate the um, next usage of Dr. Fate if he is a, a a major part. If he's not a major part of the team, um, this may be the last of contemporary Dr. Fate that we see on the show for a while. Not that that's a big deal, because we still have plenty of back matter to, to go through. Which, next issue, will be the um, retconned Golden Age appearances of Dr. Strange from the 1981 volume of All-Star Squadron. And I will sum up issues 30 through 49 of uh, that book. In particular, issues 30, 31, and 32, 47, 48, 49. Because those are definite appearances by Dr. Fate. But even not all of those books had anything substantial as far as adding to the Fate mythos. Only probably about two or three of those. But that'll be what's in store for you guys next episode. Um, Hopefully everyone at this point is having 
has had and will have a, uh, a safe and festive holiday season. So with episode 83 on the horizon, I'll talk to you guys on the other side. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license.